When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes, Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Hello, I'm Oliver Condit, the editor of BBC Music Magazine, and welcome to the BBC Music Podcast. You can buy a copy of the magazine at your local newsagents or download our app to your iPad, Kindle Fire or Android tablet. And for the latest music news and more, head to our website at classical-music.com. In this week's podcast, Reviews editor Rebecca Franks joins me in the studio to talk about the January issue's recording of the month. A disc of Vaughan Williams's Fantasia on a theme of Thomas Tallis, his Symphony No. 3, the five variants of Dives and Lazarus, and the Wasps Overture, performed by the Halle Orchestra under Mark Elder, recorded on the orchestra's own label. This is a really stunning recording, isn't it, actually? The um, Fantasia on a theme of Thomas Tallis, I think, which we'll hear an extract in a moment, is, I think, one of the most clear, one of the most sort of eloquent uh, performances of this piece I've heard ever, I think. Well, I think what I loved about this CD was that um, the Halle Orchestra and Mark Elder just seemed to completely get Vaughan Williams's sound world and this, especially the string sound. You know, it's very rich and fulsome, but it's not in this sort of high gloss kind of romantic way. It has all the kind of shadows in it and the real sense of depth. Um so it's not, and especially the Talis Fantasia and the, and the variants on Divas and Lazarus can often be a bit kind of wallowing, wallowing in a sort of smaltzy kind of way. I mean, but it's nothing is, like that here. Well, the balance is so difficult to get, isn't it? You've got to get the tempo right. You've got to get the vibrato right. You've got to get the strength of the, the sound right. You know, and there's so much there. And of course, the, the whole sort of acoustics of the, of the recording studio and the after effect, because, because this piece was you know, famously performed in Gloucester Cathedral with its massive sort of Norman acoustic. Um, let's hear the opening to it and then you can sort of see what we mean. Thank you. 
So that was the opening to the Fantasia on a theme by Thomas Tallis by Vaughan Williams. There's a real sort of sense of space, isn't there, in this recording as well? There is. I mean, the the Fantasia on a theme of Thomas Tallis kind of makes use of these divided, so you have the, the, the two string orchestras and these sort of antiphonal effects almost, or organ-like effects. So the kind of spatial aspect of it is really key, actually, for getting those different um, the sort of different weight and the different sort of ghostly effects of the different uh, sort of groupings. Um, and that comes across brilliantly, you know, from when you have the full orchestra, full string orchestra, to the solo instruments. Everything has been really well judged and well placed, I think. It has. And I, I, I have to admit, I have to confess before this, I had no idea that Vaughan Williams had intended the different string orchestra and the string quartet to sound like the different divisions of an organ. And in fact, I noticed that the quartet on its own did sound like the swell organ with the box closed. sounded very distant, very sort of... Um, uh, very ethereal and almost ecclesiastical, uh, very prayer-like actually. And I'd not heard a recording that had delineated that that delineated that that effect quite so much. Yes, it was interesting. I think Mark Elder talked about this idea of uh, Vaughan Williams being a sort of mystical composer, and there is very much this sense of some kind of mystical quality I think that comes across here. And actually, there was a lovely quote from when, when after the piece was premiered. Um, someone wrote in the Times that it, in this piece it's as if one is living in two centuries at once. Mm. And that kind of really sums it up for me, this sense of, of the past being very much in the present. Um, yes, it's almost a farewell to the, to the 19th century and, and, and a sort of a, a very, very soft greeting to the, to, the 20, to the 20th. Yes, but I suppose also in terms of the themes that he was kind of, you know, that he was using, um, mm. to, you know, taken from, from the English hymnal that he was working on, that that, I guess that's then translating that into a, a 20th century world. Mm, but absolutely stunning. Um, the, the the main, the, the heart of this recording, though, is the pastoral symphony, the symphony number three. Um, usually I find it quite a difficult symphony to get into. It's four quite slow movements um, with, with sort of various faster passages, particularly in the third movement. But... But mostly it's quite um, it's quite introspective, but here it seems to shine, and I can't quite put my finger on why. I think it's the same reason the Fantasia on the theme of Thomas Tallis shines. I think it's the luminosity of the strings. I think it's the tempos. I think it's just the general pacing and the phrasing. I think they just seem to get it. Yes, I mean this this is a it isn't a sort of elusive work, I think. And it was written after Vaughan Williams had been an ambulance driver and a stretcher bearer in northern France during First World War. So he would have seen and, been, you know, had come to terms with so much suffering that he saw and also the sort of destruction of the landscape. And I guess this is his, his musical coming to terms with that. I mean, he, he wrote it afterwards. But there is something of, I, I think, that feeling of maybe not understanding that makes it elusive, you know, understanding what he's seen. And that's what makes it a difficult work because he was contemplating something that no one had ever had to really grasp before. And he didn't like to talk about his experiences. And this is his sort of outpourings, I think. This is, if you really want to know what it was like. It, it's unfortunate the symphony has got the nickname Pastoral Symphony because I think for so long... Uh, people thought it was simply an evocation of the English countryside, and it was you know, this symphony that caused people to sort of call his music sort of cowpat, if you like. So Peter Warlock saying it was like a staring at a cow looking over a gate, and Elizabeth Lutchens calling it sort of, you know, um, I think she she used the cowpat uh, yeah. term herself, and yeah, and actually here it's used in a really ironic way, isn't it? Or in a yes, you know, this isn't Beethoven's pastoral. This is 
20th century war-torn pastoral. <laughs> and you hear that that beautiful, um, which I think actually we should hear now, that beautiful um, sort of bugle-like trumpet um, in the symphony. So that was an extract from the second movement of the pastoral symphony, um, and also there's a there's a there's a real sense of um, sort of inventiveness, I think, and in, in sort of a pioneering um, use of soprano voice in the last movement, and it's so stunning, this sense that this is a uh, the voice maybe of the soldiers themselves, or a dead, or a mother, or a mother, or a daughter, or whatever yeah, a wife. It might be. You know, it could be. It is very, very haunting. I think that here, and here, it's quite strong as well. It's quite a rich voice. It's not sort of ethereal or ghostly as you often hear it done. But I like it. I think it works really well. I think it brings, it brings another dimension to it actually, um, and kind of balances as well with what we, you know, the trumpet and the horn in the second movement. They sort of seem to, to play off each other actually as well. Mm, absolutely, um, and actually, to, to have the, the symphony sort of going out with that voice is is is, is actually quite devastating. Mm. Really, I mean, there's this. Um, I think we're going back to the sort of tempos of the of the of the symphony. I think it's all too easy to take it too slowly, but when you take it too fast, and you send, you sort of end up missing so much. And and and, and yet, it is a symphony that does reward patience and time. And yes, it does. And I think it's a, a symphony that rewards listening to it many times. I think it's hard. I think it's quite. It is. I think it's quite hard. Personally, I think it's quite a hard work to grasp on a, on a first listen and you need to it reveals more and more <laughs> the more you listen so shall we hear an extract from the final movement um, of the symphony number three So that was the final movement of Vaughan Williams' Symphony Number no. 3 as played by the uh, Halle Orchestra under Sir Mark Elder on our wonderful recording of the month. Um, the other two works are equally beautifully done. Um, the five variants of Dives and Lazarus, I, I mean, it's just extraordinary. I mean, the melody itself, which Vaughan Williams uh, incorporated, the folk tune, which he incorporated into the um, New English Hymnal or, or into the English Hymnal, um, is, is quite extraordinary, quite wonderful. It is, and it's just really kind of 
heartfelt piece. It just feels like, I don't know, sort of the soul of the countryside singing or something. It, it really, what he does with it, these, these variants with the, with the different sort of versions of this old, old folk song, um, it's just wonderful. It really is a sort of miniature masterpiece. It's not a long it's, work, but it's, it's so beautifully yeah, crafted. It's almost as if he's sort of slightly restoring the tune rather than treating it to a whole new variation you know you always hear the tune there it's 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 it's, it's almost as if he's sort of caressing the tune he's it's not he's, trying to be clever with it he's not it. trying, he's to, not trying to go all, oh it's... look what i can do as a composer you know look at me i'm so great and i can write these great variations it's not that kind of kind of piece at all mm. and i was delighted to know that the uk premiere took place just down the road here in bristol in colston hall um a very you know a very beautiful work and played stunningly um again the strings just seem to again, understand exactly what they're playing. And lovely harp, harp playing as well, because that really kind of just adds that extra sort of pastoral, almost dimension to it. So let's hear a bit from the variants of Dives and Lazarus. Finally on this disc, uh, we've got the Overture to the Wasps, lots of fun, um, just very energetic performance, beautifully recorded. Actually, the recording is, is stunning. It's not in SACD or surround sound, but the stereo has got a certain sort of multi-dimension sound, hasn't it? Yes, and I think a lot of it, quite a few of the tracks were recorded, tracks two to six, um, in their sort of new new home, new recording studios and rehearsal space in St. Peter's in Manchester, which um, I understand they're very much enjoying sort of taking up residence there. And, and, and the Fantasia on a theme by Thomas Tallis was clearly recorded, um, because it was recorded in the BBC studios in Salford, it was recorded you know, with, with, with lots of sort of effects and edited and, 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 and it, it, given, given the atmosphere of a cathedral, you know, without going into a cathedral, very cleverly done indeed. Um, rather sort of masterful crafting, I think. Yes, and actually it's lovely to know that they are planning to do the whole Fort Williams cycle. So we've already had... Um, symphonies two five and eight and the complete wasps um they've already recorded the c symphony next one is going to be number six so i think we've got a lot more wonderful vaughan williams from the halle and mark elder to look forward to lovely well that brings us to the end of our podcast on the january issues uh disc or rather recording of the month um do join us next uh issue when we'll be discussing obviously the february issues recording of the month goodbye goodbye Thank you for listening to this BBC Music Magazine podcast, which was produced in our Bristol studio by Jack Fletcher. For more of our podcasts, visit our website at classical-music.com or simply head to iTunes.